last night we had an incredible time discovering the validity of Scripture, the documents that back it up, the number of manuscripts that back it up. Did you enjoy last night's presentation? My goal and my hope this evening is that it is going to get even better because this book called the Bible has a message especially for us, a message that we are to share with a world that is dying. Debbie Williams and six other skydivers were poised at the door of the airplane. Their plan as experienced skydivers was to form a mid-air formation. This was going to be the highlight of the weekend that they had had together. And so one after another leapt out of the open door of this airplane 12,000 feet above the floor of Phoenix, Arizona. Well, Debbie was the last one to dive out of that airplane. And she went into a corkscrew dive and To catch up with the other divers, she miscalculated her distance, slammed into another diver, and was knocked unconscious. She began to tumble through the air, and she tumbled past Gregory Robertson, who was their instructor and the jump master for that particular jump. He noticed that there was blood on her face, and he went immediately into a no-lift Head first dive. They calculate that he was traveling at approximately 120 miles an hour to catch up with Debbie Williams. He caught her. He pulled her reserve cord and immediately went the other direction. 12 seconds before impact, he pulled his own parachute cord. Debbie Williams and both Superman and Debbie Williams both survived. Debbie would fully recover from her injuries and remain always grateful to the one who had miraculously snatched her from a fatal impact. My friends, you and I are rushing headlong into an impact with the end of time. And God is depending on us to go into a no-lift head first dive, traveling as fast as we can to pull the reserve cord on the lives of people that will, whose lives would end in destruction if we were not there. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, what an honor for us to be called by you to take the message in this book to the world. Bless us this evening. Inspire us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Psalms. So we're over here in your Bibles, the Old Testament book of Psalms, and we are going to Psalm 18. Psalm 18 and verse 44. That shouldn't be a hard reference to remember. Psalm 18 and verse 44. 44. Now David is authoring this psalm here, and David says in Psalm 18:44, he says, "As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me." David was the king. It made sense that when a stranger heard of David, when a stranger heard the commands of David, that that stranger would submit themselves 
to David. Yet David was not ignorant of the fact that most of the professed submission to him was false and feigned. So in a much higher sense, in a much more accurate manner, God is aware of the fact that many who profess to be subject to him are subject in profession only. If they could do it with safety, they would throw off the very appearance of loyalty and carry out in reality what truly exists in their own hearts. It must have been sad for David to reflect on how greatly the number of his professed subjects would be diminished if none had been retained but those who truly loved his reign and respected him as a sovereign. It is sad to reflect how greatly the number of the professed friends of God would be diminished. If all those should withdraw who have yielded only reigned obedience to him, yet the church would be stronger and better for it. David said, as soon as they hear of me. God would say, as soon as they hear of me, the stranger will submit themselves to me. In order for somebody to hear, somebody else must be talking in order to be heard. Turn with me. Someone must take this message to them. Turn with me in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Romans. We're going to Romans and the 10th chapter. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 10, and we will begin reading in verse 13. The Word of God says here in Romans, the 10th chapter and the 13th verse, Paul writing in Romans 10, 13, he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, what? Saved. Dear heart, don't make it harder than it is. Scripture tells us in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Belief is the operative thing. Here the Bible says in Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't make it harder than that. Encourage people to know Jesus Christ because when they do, they will cry out, Jesus, save me. The Bible goes on to say in verse 14, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written. By the way, how many of you uh, at home, let's ask those of you at home, you raise your hand if you're at home, all right? How many of you at home have pretty feet? Just raise your hand. I mean, you're at home by, with your family. They know whether your feet are pretty or not. Now, how about those of you in here? How many of you have pretty feet? Anybody in here have pretty feet? You know, typically we have one or two guys that will raise their hands um, even though they didn't get a pedicure yesterday, they'll raise their hand, right? Notice what the Bible says about pretty feet. It says in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful 
are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You want pretty feet? Start preaching the gospel. You don't need to pay for a pedicure. Although it may make your toes look a little bit more attractive. Those whose feet are called beautiful, according to Romans 10.15, must first be sent. So we're going to go to the left in our Bibles now, and we are going to go to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Matthew 28, the last chapter in the book of Matthew. And we are going to answer the question, who is it that has been sent? Can I push this job of gospel presenting off to someone else? What does the Word of God say in Matthew, the 28th chapter? Of course, Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 28, and we are going to begin reading in verse 18. Matthew 28 and verse 18. The word of God says this. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. How much power is that? All. That's very simple, isn't it? Then Jesus says, because I have all power, Jesus says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Quite amazing here, Matthew recorded this for his mama to read. Or did he? Who was it that Matthew recorded these words for? Us. Notice what Jesus says there in verse 20. He says, and lo, I'm with you always. The whole context of what we are just reading is the context of going out into the world and preaching the gospel of peace. And in this context of preaching the gospel, teaching people to observe all things whatsoever God has commanded us, Jesus says, and I am with you always, even unto the end of of the world. This was not simply written so that the disciples could remember the command of Jesus to take the gospel everywhere. This was recorded in the book of Matthew so that those of us who are living in the time of the end of the world would understand that it is our job with the power of Christ to preach this gospel to the entire world. God is depending on us. Now, this was written at the end of Jesus' ministry. Let's go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Matthew, the fourth chapter, and let's begin in verse 18. The Bible reads in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. The Bible says, Matthew 4, 18, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. I don't know if any of you have an older brother, but uh, I, I sort of like to brag that people don't know uh, me because I have an older brother. They know my older brother because he has a younger brother named me. You understand? 
And that's not the case here with Peter and Andrew. You remember Peter, and then it says, uh, and Andrew, his brother. You remember the, the younger brother? Anyway, it says that they are casting a net into the sea, for they were what? What, dear heart, do fishermen do according to this verse? They cast it. No, according to this verse, they cast nets into the sea. Now, if they were bowlers, what would they do? They would cast a bowling ball down a bowling ball lane, right? The Bible says here that they were casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. It is natural for a fisherman to take a net and to cast it into the sea. Would you argue that? That's what fishermen do. Jesus is walking by the sea. He sees Simon and Andrew, and they are casting a net into the water because they are fishermen. It is natural for a fisherman to cast a net into the sea. Now notice what Jesus says in the very next verse. Verse 19, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he says you need to go out and preach the gospel. You need to baptize. You need to teach all people all things that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always. At the beginning of his ministry, he tells Andrew and Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, my friends, you and I have a way of measuring whether or not we are following Jesus. Jesus said it is just as natural if you follow me to fish for men as if you were a fisherman casting a net into the sea. It is second nature. Don't doubt for a moment that Malchus the servant of the high priest whose ear was cut off was thankful that all Peter knew how to do was cast a net. All Malchus lost was an ear and then Jesus puts it back on. Peter was good at casting a net into the sea because he was a fisherman. Jesus says, if you follow me, you will become a fisher of men. That means, my friends, that if we are not fishing for men, then we are not what? Followers of Jesus. You and I have a plumb line whereby we can measure whether or not we are literally following Jesus. Are we just professing this Christian life or are we truly just head over heels, gung-ho about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people that we meet? Christ's last words to his disciples were, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. To us also the commission is given. We are bidden to go forth as Christ's messengers to teach, to instruct, to persuade men and women to urge upon their attention the word of life. And to us also the assurance of Christ's abiding presence 
is given. Whatever the difficulties with which we may have to contend, whatever the trials we may have to endure, the gracious promise is always ours. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Has the question been answered? Who was it that Jesus sent? Who was it? Us. All of us. So when we go back to the book of Romans, which is where we are heading right now, Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, Romans 10 verse 15 said, And how shall they preach except they be sent? We have settled the question. We know, dear heart, who of us have been sent? And the answer is every one of us. Now, the question remains, who then is the preacher? Because they aren't preaching unless they have been sent. Now, this might get some of us off the hook. True? I mean, because we are not preachers. That's not what we do. Have you ever been trapped? Has somebody ever deceived you? by the way that they ask you questions so that you are led down a path where they're going to be right. Has this ever happened to you? If it hasn't, prepare yourself. We're going to do it right now. Prepare yourself. I'm going to deceive you. I'm going to trap you. But you, you must promise to participate. Or is this fair? I mean, look, I'm way up here and you're way down there, so it's not like I can catch you and deceive you. I'm just going to do this with words. Have you ever sent a letter like you, you filled it out, dear... Uh, sweetheart, comma, and then you, you write this letter and you sign it with all my love, X's and O's and all of the hearts and stuff, and then you sign your name, you close it, you put it in the mail, and you put a stamp on it, the address is there, forget the return address because you don't want it back, you want it to just get there, right? And you put it in the mailbox. Have you ever done this? Yeah, I'm just looking. Okay, keep your hands up, because this is important. I know it's not good for the cameras, but i got to see you. Keep your hands up. Have you ever sent an email that contained some good news to somebody else? I'm getting Pentecostal here, right? Okay, so how many do we have? Whose hand is not up? Okay, have you ever talked to somebody else and shared with them something exciting that happened to you? If that's the case, put your hand up. Okay, some of us are sleeping. Everybody else is participating. That's all right. The word preacher... The one that has been sent, the word preacher, is keruso, and it means to herald as a public crier, especially the divine truth, to preach, to proclaim, and to publish. If you sent the email, you published good news. If you mailed the letter, you published good news. If you told somebody else good news, then my friends, you have just been trapped. You are the preacher. There is no way for us to get off of the hook of being a preacher when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. What is it that people need to hear? Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the second chapter. And the Bible reads in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. Now, this is, the, this is the famous Christmas play, right? This is what our children reenact when it's around the, the Christmas holiday season to remember the birth of Christ. And it says here 
in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And the angel said unto them, these are to the shepherds, the lowest, lowest of society, to the shepherds, these angels come, and this is what they share. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great things, great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, I've got this mental picture of everything that's going on. There's this angel. I'm going to call him Gabriel. If you're all right with that, I'll call him Gabriel. And Gabriel tells the other angels in the realm of the unseen, hang on, guys. They can't take us all at once. And so he reveals himself and he says, don't be afraid. Then he shares with him that this, the Savior has been born. And then all of a sudden, the other angels are just waiting for the cue of Gabriel. They're just waiting to know that the eyes of the shepherds that are watching their flocks by night have been adjusted to the point where they can handle the glory of the angelic host. And it says in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. My friends, Paul would go on to say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus would say in John 12, 32, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. God said that the sent are going to preach. What are the sent going to preach? The sent are going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Hanging upon the cross, Christ was the gospel. Now we have a message. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is our message. This is our argument. This is our doctrine. This is our warning to the impenitent. Our encouragement for the sorrowing. The hope for every believer. If we can awaken an interest in men's minds that will cause them to fix their eyes upon Christ, we may step aside and ask them only to continue to fix their eyes upon Him. Whosoever, Jesus says, will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He whose eyes are fixed on Jesus will leave all. He will die to selfishness. He will believe in all of the Word of God which is so gloriously and wonderfully exalted in Christ. As the sinner sees Jesus as He is, an all-compassionate Savior, hope and assurance take possession of His soul. The helpless soul is cast without any reservation upon Jesus. None can bear away from the vision of Christ Jesus crucified. A lingering doubt, unbelief is gone. The scent 
preach. Preaching causes people to hear. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter 10 again? It said in Romans 10, 14, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? Once they believe, once they know who they believe in, they can open their mouth and they can call upon the name of the Lord. When they call upon the name of the Lord, Scripture says they will be what? Saved. God has given every one of us a purpose. And our purpose, whether we run a business, whether we run a ministry, our purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. The gospel, the very gospel that comes out of this book. I don't know how it was in your family when you were growing up, but my mama used to sing this song, God said it. And I believe it. And that settles it for me. Though some may doubt that His Word is true. God said it. I believe it. How about you? Do we really believe that this book that carries the gospel in its covers is truly the Word of God? And if so, why are we not taking it to every nook and cranny within the sphere of our lives. The Bible says in Acts, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 22.16 And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. This is the biblical method for leading someone to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, chapter 10, beginning in verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. You have heard, the Bible says, I believe it's Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, when you're doing soul winning, it'd be a good idea for us just to close our own mouth and let others speak so we could hear exactly what was going on inside of their hearts. Then we could take the gospel to that part of their life and they would find freedom in Jesus Christ. Verse 9 of Romans 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth Confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. Dear friend, people are waiting to make a confession of Jesus Christ. People are waiting for us to tell them so that they can truly believe. How is it that a person gets knowledge and takes it to make a confession of Jesus Christ? Someone has to tell them. So what we are going to do right now is we are going to look at the lives of three people. 
Jesus said at the end of his ministry that those who, who, he, who are following him must be preaching and teaching to all of the world. At the beginning of his ministry, he said, if you, I'm going to put it in the negative, if you are not fishing for men, then you are not following me. If you are fishing for men, then you are following me. Jesus, is this really true? Can we find examples in this book called the Bible where men began to follow you and immediately, no training, no going to seminary, no going to a four-month evangelism school, no going to a a four-week light course, immediately can we find examples of people that all of the sudden, once they follow Jesus, begin to spread the gospel? I believe we can. And I'm going to show it to you. Turn in your Bibles to John, the first chapter. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So you're turning to the right from where you were in Luke. And we are going to John, the very first chapter. We're going to start reading in verse 29. The Bible says here in John chapter 1 and verse 29. It says, the next day, John, that would be John the Baptist, the next day, John the Baptist seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Now just put yourself in the mindset of the first century Galilean culture. All of your life you have been taught that a lamb is a symbol of what carries your sin away from you. And here, John the Baptist is looking at a man that is walking along beside Jordan, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. All of a sudden, it is like, it just comes into focus. That's him. That, that is the Messiah. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I don't know what he looks like in your mind's eye. But there John sees him walking by the Jordan. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Go down now to verse 35. It says again, the next day, after John stood, that would be John the Baptist, the next day, after John stood, and two of his disciples... So there are two disciples standing right beside John the baptizer. And it says this, verse 36, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Now verse 37, it says, And the two disciples heard him speak, and they did what? Look out! They followed Jesus. Now, dear heart, remind me what Jesus said in Matthew 4.19. Jesus says, if you follow me, I will what? I will make you fishers of men. These two guys have no clue what's about to hit them. The Bible says this. Verse 37, they followed Jesus. Now, I don't know the distance between them and Jesus, but they are, they are following Jesus. Maybe they are following incognito. Maybe they're just glancing at Him and you know, just making sure they can, they can figure out where He's going. I don't know how it really played out, but that's how it plays out in my mind. And the Bible says this, Then Jesus turned and saw them following 
What did he see them doing? So what does he know they are going to become? Fishers of men. If Jesus' statement is true, those that follow Jesus become fishers of men. It says here, He saw them following and saith unto him, What seek ye? What are you looking for? What are you guys after? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where do you live? How is it that you greet people? You walk up to somebody here at ASI, you shake their hand, you do the little casual glance down at the name tags, you can call them by name because that's what good business people do, right? Names are very important. You, get, you grab their name, you introduce yourself, they introduce uh, themselves to you, and then what do you naturally ask them next? Where are you from? Where are you from? This is what these guys ask Jesus. Where, where do you live? You're the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Where do you live? He saith unto them, Come and see. Then, or they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. You know who Andrew was. Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth, verse 41, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. My friends, tell me what Andrew did. He follows Jesus. Hey man, where do you live? Jesus shows him where he lives and what Jesus showed him, I don't know because later in the book of Matthew, Jesus would say, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not a place to lay his head. I have this, this, uh, this inspiration. I think it's inspired anyway. You can filter it through your filter of inspiration if you like. I think Jesus took them to a place and told them about heaven. Because whatever he told them, whatever he showed them about where he lived, convinced Andrew so much that he would go get his loud mouth, overbearing, speak from the hip brother Peter, and say very boldly, we found the Messiah. Notice what happens here in verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. Dear heart, when you and I become fishers of men, sometimes we are going to have to grab people by the arm. Sometimes we will have to grab them by the neck. Sometimes we will just have to do what Jesus did and say a simple come and see. We bring people to Jesus. And Andrew was brave enough to do it in his own family. The Bible goes on to say, do, do we have another, do we have another example of someone that begins to follow Jesus and immediately goes and brings someone to him? The Bible says in verse 43 of John chapter 1, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, follow me. Philip, I'm going to tell you, if you don't want to be a fisher of men, don't take one step toward that man. Don't do it. Because when you follow him, the record so far is telling us that you will become a fisher of men. And if you say you're following him and you don't fisher him in, then you are a hypocrite. Philip, choose your steps very carefully. 
Jesus says to Philip, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of um, Andrew and Peter. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Dear heart, here you have an example. Andrew goes and gets his his boisterous brother Peter and brings him to Jesus. Philip begins to follow Jesus, and then Philip goes and gets Nathanael and says, We found him! We found him! The one that everybody talked about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto, said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, The same words Jesus said. Philip saith, Come and see. A simple invitation. My friends, You don't have to give somebody a Bible study in a restaurant to get them to come and see Jesus. All you have to do is give them the invitation to come and see. It's quite interesting that in both of these cases, Jesus knew who Peter was by name before Peter was introduced to Jesus. The people that you and I are witnessing to in our own families, God knows them. He knows where they are. He knows their history. He knows what has happened to them. He knows why they are either turned on to the gospel or turned off from the gospel. God knows them. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, How do you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Do what? You knew I was under the fig tree? But I haven't seen you before. Jesus said, But I know When you and I witness to our family, God even knows their names. When we witness to our friends, not only does God know their names, God knows even where they are located. God, all we are in the hand of God is a tool to use this lips and tongue and everything that forms your voice. All we are is an instrument that God blows His air through so that we can then preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, I tell you. These guys see Jesus. They don't know where he lives. He shows them. They go get their brother. My mama, I tell you, my mama, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a praying mama. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here. When I was living my life of stupidity, my mama would call me up and say, or I would call my mama. I'd say, hi, mama, how you doing? She'd say, I'm doing pretty good. And uh, she says, boy, that's what they call you when you're from the south anyway. Uh, I was bred in Alabama. And uh, she said, boy, are you living your life like I raised you to live it? I'd get all convicted and I'd say, mama, I got to go. I, I love you. I got to, I'll talk to you later. Every time I'd call my mama. My mama wasn't afraid that she's going to run me off because I was already run off. My mama's just trying to get me back and praise Jesus. She did. Philip goes to his friend Nathaniel. 
And he has the audacity to tell Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. We found him. We found him. Nathaniel doesn't believe it until Jesus says, I even knew where you were before Philip found you. John chapter 4 tells us the story of a Samaritan woman. Go there with me. John the 4th chapter and the 26th verse. In John chapter 4 verse 26, the woman has already said to Jesus that we know when Messiah comes that he, the one that is called Christ, he is going to tell us all things. And Jesus, in the very plainest of language, says, I am he. Verse 28. Eight, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. This lady who goes out to the well alone because she, dear heart, this lady was not of a good reputation. And so she has the audacity to leave her water pot there after meeting Jesus, after finding the Messiah, after choosing to follow Jesus. And she runs back into town and she begins to tell the men that she serviced, Hey, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Some of them probably went out there because they wanted to make sure that he didn't say anything about them. She went and she told even her enemies. God could have reached His object in saving sinners without our aid. But in order for us to develop a character like Christ's, we must share in His work. In order to enter into His joy, the joy of seeing souls redeemed by His sacrifice, we must participate in His labors for their redemption. How is it with you, dear friend of mine? Are you following Jesus? To be a member of ASI means that you have joined an organization. To be a follower of Jesus Christ means that you are willing to lay your life and your business on the line to share the gospel with people who are headed head first toward an impact with the end of time. God needs us in our business, in our associations, in our interactions in our community, in our interactions in our own home to live and to be a Christian that God can introduce non-Christians to so that He can share His message with them through us. God is simply asking us to pull the reserve cord. What would keep you from sharing this book, this message, with the people that you know. I am bound and determined in my life to not let a day go by where I do not tell someone 
about Jesus Christ. It may be at the feed store. It may be at the grain mill when I'm picking up a thousand pounds for the chicken. I am telling somebody about Jesus because the devil is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If but for one moment you and I could step out of our own shyness, our own timidness, and just be very bold for Jesus and just proclaim Him to the people that we see, dear heart, we would know a joy that surpasses all others, the joy of seeing people redeemed by relationship with Jesus Christ. Is it your desire to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to lay all of your life on the line to share the gospel of Jesus with everyone that you meet? You and I may not be skydivers, but we can scream a message about a Savior that died for us. Forget the fear. Forget the doubt. Forget the I'm too old. Forget that it's the pastor's job because I pay my tithe. Forget the I'm too young or I've been too bad. Dear heart, Jesus said, follow me and you will be a fisher of men. May God bless each one of us as we fish as we have never fished before. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.